Hello, guys, and welcome to another episode of Thriller Podcast. Today, we are talking the SEC hearing. God, that was a good time. And then we're also talking in our main topic, Stellar. It's Magical Mystery Tours upon us, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a lot to talk about today. Thriller Podcast starting now. Welcome to Thriller with Gonzalez. Broadcasting from Austin, Texas. Via SoundCloud and supported by listeners like you. It's time for the news. 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 Thriller with Car Gonzalez. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Thriller Podcast. That's right, man. Uh, this is going to be an exciting show. We got a lot planned. Um, fuck, it's going to be long. And I'm going to go ahead and preface, like, start off by saying here in the news, there's going to be a lot of cursing. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. Uh, I would definitely fast forward through the news because, um, yeah, I, this SEC hearing has me has me amped up, guys. It really does. There's so many idiotic statements I heard on this. We're going to dissect this pretty heavily. Um, try not to spend too much time on it, but you guys know the way I am. I love to ramble, as they say. Um, but yeah, if you guys don't want to hear that, go ahead and fast forward because it's going to be <laughs> there's going to be some cursing involved. And, and if you're in public and you're listening to this, uh, sorry, the rest of you, but <laughs> probably want to fast forward this. It's going to be bad. Okay, with that. Uh, so if you guys don't know, we just uh, they just recently had a U.S. Senate hearing today, Tuesday, February 6, uh, the year of our Lord. <laughs> Um, with a public discussion on the state of crypto. Jay Clayton, the chairman of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and the U.S. Senate uh, are having the cryptocurrencies, kind of the state of the uh, crypto is what everybody's dubbing it. Um, So the meeting was uh, kicked off by the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing and Urban Affairs and it kicked off at 10 a.m. Yeah, there was also the CFTC Commissioner uh, Chair Christopher Giossiario, I don't know how to pronounce the fuck his name is. Um, he addressed some topics as well. <sighs> Guys, I'm just going to play a clip and let you hear it. I want to go change the subject just a little bit back to Bitcoin here or to <laughs> cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, we see in, in IPOs and, and tax uh, jurisdictional um, arbitrage. Do you guys see that today in this developing cryptocurrency and also in ICUs, ICOs? Uh, Chairman Clayton, you want to start with that? I, I, well, yeah. And by the way, who pays for frivolous class action lawsuits? Who pays for that? Shareholders. Yeah. And in, investors, I would argue customers, employees, all of the above, right? Yeah. Would you answer that question for me, please? Um, so regulatory arbitrage is one of many issues that I see in this market. Um, to be To be frank, you know, Tax loss and things like that are there. Of course they are because it's record keeping. It's difficult to trace. So where where are the countries? South Korea and China are the ones that predominantly play in this world. You you said before most of the current most of the current investment comes from the U.S. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if we all know enough yet to know that, right? South Korea and China are really heavily invested. In fact, China now or uh, South Korea has a new rule that says you have to use real name bank accounts in order to trade in this. Yeah, I think uh, it, and you're, those you're, are the kinds of things I'm asking for. Is, it, is there arbitrage really going on around the world here? There, there, there is certainly regulatory arbitrage, that, but what you're making a great point because this was this was a largely unregulated space across the world. 
And now what you're seeing is each country taking a perspective, a view, action, et cetera, which also goes to how functional is this asset class and how, and how would we regulate it and how does it work? Um, th th there's a lot happening that is beyond the kind of understanding of your average investor. How, how would you know? How so how, how can we in two agencies here, I understand there's interaction between all of our regulatory agencies, but there's also another uh, axis here that you have to coordinate. That's the other country regulators as well. Correct. So I'm, I'm asking both of you, what are you seeing and what, what are you anticipating we need to do to make sure either legislatively or rulemaking to uh, combat that? Chris, do you want to? Let me jump in. I just identified two areas of, of arbitrage we're seeing. One is regulatory, which I want to come to, but actually we're also seeing price arbitrage as well. There's something uh, known as the kimchi, kimchi premium for Bitcoin traded in South Korea because there's so much interest there that it right. drives the price up there slightly higher. So price arbitrage. But, you know, in the early days of many markets, every American city had a cotton exchange and the prices were different there before you developed a national market. So here we have different regional and international markets, and, and perhaps as this market matures, if it matures, a, a singular price may develop. Um, in terms of regulation, there's, I, unfortunately, I think that some time ago, perhaps middle of last year, there was this perception that Bitcoin was off the regulatory grid. And one of the things that, that Chairman Clayton and I have been working so hard to do is to disabuse that notion. Now, we are, are limited in our regulatory authority to set regulatory standards on these underlying platforms. But when it comes to enforcement, uh, when it comes to ICOs, we're using our full authority to drive the message. And other countries are doing that as well. And we've had frequent conversations. I spoke recently uh, or had communication recently with the head of the Jap Japan Financial Service uh, agency about some things that were going on there. Jay Clayton spoke very eloquently at the FSB meeting recently in Basel, Switzerland. We are beginning our communication with other regulators, and I think the message is getting through that this is not off the grid, and I think part of that is now you're seeing it in the Bitcoin price. As the word is getting out that we will go after uh, misconduct, I think you're starting to see that reflect in the price, and I think that's an important step. I'm sorry, guys, but I think they're. I think the SEC is giving themselves too much credit. Um, no, they're not affecting the price. Like I've been saying, guys, this is a yearly fucking dip. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> like seriously, come on, man. You guys are fooling yourself. This is not. You guys aren't fucking regulating shit. So I, there's a couple of things I want to come. I want to touch on. First off, the guy who is asking these fucking questions. What a fucking moron. Like, why is this guy asking these guys fucking questions? The guys who are answering the questions, like get a fucking clue, man. Like you guys are fucking in charge of all this shit, fucking regulating fucking Bitcoin and ICOs and all this shit. And you guys are <laughs> like, aren't even knowledgeable about anything or the price of cryptocurrency on the other side of the world is dictated to that side of the world for a fucking reason. It doesn't affect us over here unless you look at the market cap. Like what the fuck? It, it, it's, it's different in every, it's different every fucking day, every fucking minute. It's just the price of Bitcoin, man. Fuck. <sighs> Just saying, guys, this is, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you exactly what's going on here. And this is the way I see it. A long time ago, a bunch of guys came together to create this fucking awesome thing called Bitcoin, right? Little people like us started getting around that, gathered around it, started investing in it. Next, they started releasing Litecoin, all these other coins, whatever, MasterCoin, whatever. It doesn't matter. Started releasing all these other coins. All of a sudden, 
Wall Street comes, takes a look at us, and they're like, oh, shit, there's, that's worth a lot of money over there. What are they doing over there? Oh, wow. How can we get our hands on that money? Oh, shit, can we regulate it? Why, why would you want to regulate it? That's going to drive the price down. Yeah, that's not regulated. Hmm, what, what else can we do? Well, we got to show, we got to show the Senate or we got to show America that we are hard on Bitcoin and stuff. Can't just like, like, let these guys just run amok over there. Hmm, let me see. What can we do? Oh, ICOs. Oh, yeah, ICOs, right? Yeah, we, we can regulate that shit. And then we'll, we'll leave all the other cryptocurrencies out right now. And we can, we can just pump those to the fucking moon. Yeah, that's what we can do. We can ma- ma- manipulate that market now. We have the stock market. Now we can manipulate the crypto market. Let's do that, boys. Like, that's literally what the fuck is going on right now. The, o- the only head that they're fucking delivering to the Senate right now is the ICO head. Now, all the people out there who are creating these ICOs, fucking your time's running out, man, here in America. I'm not saying ICOs are going anywhere because they're not. They're going to be around even after they start banning them and putting them behind, you know, the SEC or whatever kind of bullshit regulation they're going to run. There's still going to be ICOs on the black market. You're still going to be able to buy them on Ether Delta. It's not going to fucking matter. You're not stopping shit. But I will say, though, what they're doing is you're just pointing to the Senate like, oh, fuck, here, we'll give you the head of the ICO because that's what we're really worried about. Because honestly, we can't have regular people invest in ICOs, invest 500 to to a thousand dollars in an ICO and then three months later make a thousand times of that money because what will that what will that do oh that'll make a million millionaires right we don't want that and then we also we also definitely want people stop investing in stocks because oh fuck that's our bread and butter boys we got to make sure we keep that so yes we'll bring you the fucking head of the ICO that that's all I fucking hear right there that's all I fucking hear fuck let me play the next clip Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks to both the witnesses. And this would be to both of you. Now that the SEC and the CFTC have asserted jurisdiction and warned the public of the risks posed by virtual currency operators, what other ways can your agencies prevent retail investors from falling victim to fraud and manipulation? Yeah, I'm glad to, happy to take this question, Senator. Uh, earlier, uh, Senator uh, Ranking Member Brown mentioned what are we doing with the CFPB? We've actually uh, formed a a partnership with the CFPB to uh, consumer education in the area of Bitcoin. Um, One of the things I've learned recently is that America's libraries are a place where a lot of people go and research Bitcoin. In fact, they use the library computers. One of the most frequently searched items from a library computer is uh, Bitcoin. And so we're teaming up with CFPB to go out to America's libraries to educate librarians who often get some of the questions asked to be able to direct uh, library uh, patrons to use our resources, our, our, our Bitcoin website and our other resources. So we are really getting very creative in the area of consumer education. I mentioned we've got several podcasts on this subject, which, which are with thousands of downloads. Uh, we are working as hard as we've ever worked. We've never done as much work on consumer education as we've done with virtual currency. <laughs> Fucking joke. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the SEC podcast on cryptocurrency. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, like, what the fuck? Creative ways? Yeah, a library is a creative way to go? Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, who the fuck uses a library? Like, Jesus Christ. Fucking shit, dude. This is driving me nuts, guys. This is why 
this is why Bitcoin will win. This is why cryptocurrency with will win. We will win easy, easily. Honestly, we're gonna circumvent all their shit. Like they're literally, they literally are like, fuck, man, get a clue. Like these guys are living in the fucking 1970s, bro. Like they're just not fucking understanding how the world functions these days. Like uh, all they see is the money and they're just going after it and they're digging their own fucking graves. I love it because they don't know what they're investing in. Oh my God, Jesus, help me, somebody, Jesus, golly. Oh man, I I don't know, guys. I feel like sometimes, like, why the fuck do we elect these officials? Oh, that's right, because we don't elect them. We don't elect them. And I also think sometimes, like, man, they're right. They're, they're going out there and saving people. Oh, that's right. They're not saving anybody. They're saving themselves, right? They're saving themselves. They're saving their own ass. Because in all honesty, there wouldn't be a need for cryptocurrency if the world wasn't fucking already fixed with central banks across the fucking entire fucking world. Like, get a grip. Like, that's literally what the fuck is going on. That's what cryptocurrency is trying to circumvent is your already crummy, fucked up pyramid scheme of a system that's being fucking fed all to us. You know, it's bullshit. And we're tired of living in it. And we're taking that shit back. And that's what cryptocurrency really fucking entails. Like, fuck. Jesus, man. God damn it. Like, seriously. Like, no one wants to live in a world like that anymore. The vast majority of us, you know, struggle day to day just to live our lives. And then you throw fucking taxes, debt on top of us, and anything else that you can to stand in our way. Like, fuck, man. There's very few people here in America that actually lived day to day, you know, comfortably. No, like this is this is not what we want as a society. We've already voted. We're voting with our money and we're moving our money to fucking crypto. That's what's happening. And they're afraid because they don't realize what this is all about. They need to get educated. And the the fact that they're educating the public, no one's listening to them. I'm sorry, buddy. No one's listening to your SEC fucking podcast. The only people that are listening to your SEC podcast are the same ones you're anointing to fucking make them. And, and they, they're forced to listen to it. Jesus Christ. Guys, I can't keep... I'm not going to play anymore. Like, go check it out. Type in SEC cryptocurrency hearing. It's all over there. I just... Oh, man. I can't stomach this anymore. I can't stand to listen to ignorance and just people like that. It. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. It's just... It's just too much. Like... It's, there's more like this is just a little snip of of the whole hearing like it's a whole hour's worth of goofs and laughs like it's a joke it's a fucking joke it's a joke uh it's a, it's a joke and like why not have somebody actually know or as a third party like get andreas over there get somebody that actually knows that understands cryptocurrency out there and explain how the fuck this shit really works he went to canada to canada and explained it for them why can't why can't they ask him to go to them it, like if they really wanted to understand what cryptocurrency really was the fact that people they're laughing about it inside the hearing they're not taking it seriously it's gonna hit them right across the fucking head because it's gonna take over before they even realize it what are they gonna do if we just stop accepting fiat as as a society what, what are they gonna do you can't force us to use a currency all you're gonna do is try to regulate it for us not to have it the fact that they don't see that that, that bitcoin is a fucking trojan horse is the best fucking part i love it anyways let's get on to interesting video of the day cars interesting video of the day 
so today's interesting video of the day actually comes from Crypto Tips. If you guys don't know, Heidi runs a great YouTube channel over here, and it, she provides some great education. Um, just love it because every video that I watch of hers is just more informing. I recommend, highly recommend you guys go over to her page and say hi because she actually provides great knowledge on cryptocurrency and is explaining the blockchain very well. Today, uh, she is talking about up-and-coming privacy coins, and she goes in pretty good depth about some new privacy coins that we all should definitely take a look at. So here we go. Before I get into today's topic, I feel like I've got to ask, are we all having fun yet? Is your hodling strength being tested? Consider this a friendly reminder that you don't take a loss if you don't sell. Let's remember that this space is full of innovation. So on that note, let's take a look at privacy. The coins I'll be going over today are Cloak, Spectre Coin, and Deep Onion. These last two are pretty new coins that seem to have gained a lot of attention and a loyal following who like to point out the fact that they utilize the privacy features of the Tor network. But before we get into those, I think it's fair to take a look at one of the original privacy coins that decided to use the Tor network in addition to their own encryption protocol. If you're not familiar with or you need a refresher for what encryption is or how onion routing works, be sure to check out the links down in the description to learn more. First up, Cloak Coin was brought to us in 2014. It's an open source project that uses proof of stake. They use Tor, or Onion Routing Privacy Abilities, along with their own Enigma encryption. This encryption protocol allows for up to 25 jumps for a transaction. This makes tracking a transaction all the more difficult, thus further solidifying the privacy of a transaction. Cloakcoin is also proof of stake and they've organized their circulating supply in such a way that it will remain scarce. Also, if you choose to stake your coins, you will accrue 6% of your balance annually. With its current market cap, Cloak is ranked number 220 on coinmarketcap.com. And then she goes into some other coins as well, guys. I highly recommend. I can't. There's probably not another YouTuber like Heidi from Crypto Tips. She provides such awesome knowledge to the you know everybody. And, I, and she, the fact that she does it for free and on YouTube is astounding because... Like, I'm sure she's in love with crypto just as much as I am. And the fact that, you know, there's people out there, out there like us, you know, educating the public. I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, that's what it's really all about. It's really about just spreading the word of crypto and helping people understand how everything works so we can get people moved over to crypto and save the world. Right. I mean, that's what I want. But let's go ahead and get into our coin talk segment that's right ladies and gentlemen and i think it's green today oh yeah it is time everything you have been waiting for coin talk Yeah, so much green on the table, boys. So much green on the table, ladies. It's a beautiful thing. So much red yesterday. We had to cut it short because it was just too much to take. And to see all this green on the board, it's it's nice. It's really, it's fucking beautiful. It's a beautiful sight. It really is. Uh, before we jump into it, though, because I do got to thank some people. Got to thank my Telegram peeps. Man, we're talking crypto every day on the Telegram. I love it. So now what I've been doing is I've installed the Telegram app uh, on my machine at work. So 
guys, I'm on there all day now. So if you guys want to hit me up at any time, feel free. I have that I have that app running in the background. So I can still get my stuff done, and then I get pinged every time somebody chimes in so I can keep up with what's going on. So, yeah. Also wanted to say, guys, uh, if you guys have some... Because today in, in the Telegram, there's people that had some different opinions of yesterday's episode on Neo. And I love it, guys. I, I want that. I love it. I, I like that we can have an open conversation about, you know, why I feel a certain way about something and why you can feel a certain way about something. I actually really love it. What I would like for you guys to do is um, start leaving voicemails. Use that voicemail, that number that's on the uh, podcast. Leave a voicemail on there. Let me know what you think of the episode. Let me know if there's anything that I got wrong or anything that you just don't agree with because I'm sure, you know, it, it probably drives you nuts or, you know, you might have something else that I didn't even think of. Uh, today we're talking about Neo and there's a couple uh, there's a couple things that I totally didn't even think about. But uh, that's what I'm saying. Let's keep this conversation going. To This would be a perfect time to play those voicemails like during Coin Talk. So, yeah, if you guys have an alternative opinion uh, on, on what we're talking about on the podcast, by all means, just scroll down, go to your podcast little thing, scroll down in the show notes. There's a phone number that says Google Voice. Leave a voicemail there. It won't ring my number. It'll just go straight to voicemail. And then leave a voicemail. If if you screw up on the voicemail, don't worry about it. Like I won't I won't play the embarrassing parts, but I'll just play like, you know, the part where you say, Okay, play this part or something. You know what I mean? Just like just get it into like, you know, a nice little paragraph or or just go on a rant like I do. It's perfectly fine. Just like I'm doing right now. Anyway, so I just want to thank everybody in Telegram. I love the community that we're building there. If you guys haven't joined, go and join. It, the, the link's in the show notes. Um, I also want to say I've been snapping a lot lately every day. Been Instagramming a lot lately every day. Follow us on those two platforms. Link's in the show notes. And if you guys aren't a Patreon, go ahead and sign up. It's patreon.com slash thrillerpodcast. Yeah, yeah. And I'm um, hoping, probably not this week, but next week we're going to do a live Google Hangout. So if you guys want to, if you guys want to be a part of that, join, join Patreon. Um, and I think that's it. With that, let's get into our disclaimer. Remember, Thriller Podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future, even if he thinks he can. He is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time. So it's a beautiful day and uh, it's green, guys. So you know what I play when it's green. All right, guys. So we got Bitcoin. It's up 60% fucking love it today the whole crypto market went up 100 million in a span of 10 hours <sighs> i love it so bitcoin's at 7600 that's nothing to sneeze about guys we were we were so close to five thousand dollars you could actually taste it but you know what i did today i bought me some more bitcoin because fuck it's a steal right now it's still a steal and with the hearing the way it went out the way the way it did the way it transgressed like fuck man 
it's 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 not a better time to own Bitcoin. I'm just saying. We got Ethereum at 756. Even at that price, Ethereum's still a great price. I'm bullish on 7K. I've been saying it all year. Got Ripple at 75 cents. Okay, that's fine, Ripple. You're up 16%. Just as long as you chug along to $5 so I can sell your ass, right? Bitcoin Cash, 949. Eh, not bad, not bad if you want to hedge your bets. We got Cardano at 35 cents, up 21%. I'll take it. Even though I know Cardano deserves more. I know you deserve more, Cardano. That's why I want you to be at $1.15 and stay there, buddy. Stay there. We got Litecoin at 138 bucks. Been hearing a lot of people talk about Litecoin in the Telegram. You know what? You're right. It is one of the best coins. We were talking about uh, Square App today. How easy it is to use the Square App and buy Bitcoin. We're also talking about how it would be so cool if Litecoin, you could purchase that too. And then transfer that and use that as a means of currency on each other's phones. That would be nice. Pay everything with Litecoin? Fuck yeah. That would be awesome. I would buy like $100 worth of Litecoin every week and just be paying people with Litecoin. That'd be awesome. Got Neo at $101. Woo! I'm not saying that's a... Uh, thriller effect. Thriller effect. Thriller effect. Thriller effect. No, nah, I don't think that's a thriller effect. We got Stellar at $0.35. Cents. We're going to cover more of Stellar, but it's up 22%. I'll take it. Then we got EOS at $8.12, up 25%. NEM at $0.57, cents, up 38%, guys. Now, I'm giving you a pro tip right here. I'm not going to do it because I don't got any money because I invest all my money into Bitcoin. But if you're one of those guys that likes to do the day trade, that likes to do the $100 here on this coin, whatever, and watch it grow, yeah, NEM, we know that bitch can get to $1.15 easily. So if I was you, I'd throw 100 bucks on NEM and get that much coin and spin it up to 200 Woo, 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 woo. See what I'm doing there? That's what I'm telling you. NEM, it's a good coin. I really want to buy some NEM, but I'm just buying Bitcoin and Ethereum right now, guys. Honestly, this dip showed me a lot. It, it, taught, me, it taught me one thing. It taught me that when the chips are down, invest in the coins that you know will stand a chance. And NEM, we haven't covered yet, but that's a solid coin. I think you can get to $1.15. Anyway, we got IOTA at $1.59. We got Dash at $5.15. Woo, Dash, looking good at $5.15 right now, honestly. We got Monero at $203. That's another good price for Monero. We got Tron at $0.03. Cents. You know what? Gosh, I still, I'm still holding my Tron. You know, me and this Tron, we've been going back for a while now, back and forth, debating whether we just sell it or not. I'm glad I haven't sold mine yet, but shit, do something, Tron. Come on, man. You're up 25%. I'll take it, though. We got Lisk at $17. We know where Lisk can go, guys, and that's 30 bucks. We've seen it here at 29% above. We got Ethereum Classic at $18. We know where that can go, guys, 32 bucks. We got VeChain at $3.89. We got Qtum at $22. We got Icon at $4. We know where Icon will go. Where will Icon go? Somebody like Ian Bolina who invested in it, and you know he's bullish on Icon. That's eight bucks easily. Got Bitcoin Gold at $90. Woo, Bitcoin Gold. We know what your number is, 125. That's right, buddy. We've seen you get that high. We've seen you stay that high. So, whoo, this is a great time to buy right now, man. Jesus, I love it. Got Nano at $10.22. We got Zcash at 350 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Got OMGO, $10.80. Woo, that might be a steal right now. That might be the steal of the fucking day. Just because some off chance, OMGO is very popular amongst the community. And I have a feeling, I have a feeling that maybe OMGO might show up here on Robinhood. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll see. We got Steam at $3.67. We got Bitcoin at four cents. No, four tenths of a cent. If it was at four cents, 
Victor Lacar here would be rich because he mines that shit. We got status at 21 cents. I'll take it status because you're up 26% today. I love that shit. We got Verge at 4 cents. Still hanging on strong. We got Sia Coin. That's right. 2 cents. Oh, we know where you can get Sia Coin. Let's get back to 6 cents where you belong, buddy. We got Stratus at $6.66. Call it the sign of the beast. I'm just saying. It's right there in the lottery. We got BitShares, 21 cents. We got Walton. Where's Walton? $21.63, up 38%. Ooh. We got waves, baby. We got a lot of waves going here at $4.90, up 19%. We got Doge. Doge at four-tenths of a cent. It's kind of funny how Doge and and, and uh, what's what's the other one here? Doge and uh, Bitcoin are always like the same, almost the same price. Which is pretty interesting. Anyway, we got our chain at $1.35. I know a lot of you guys love our chain. That's a good one. We got H share at $10.15. We got Komodo at $3.83. 28% hike. I love that shit. We got Dragon Chain, another steal of the day right here at $1.50, up 34%. Guys, if you aren't hedging your bets with some Dragon Chain, it's a sleeper. It's a sleeper. It's a, it's a thriller podcast sleeper right there. Dragon Chain. I'm just saying. We we might have to drive. We might have to. We might have to dive into driving Dragon Chain just because. Fuck! I've been watching that chain grow. I love it. We got Ark at three dollars sixty one cents. We got Bat at thirty four cents. Ooh, nice. That's a good price for Bat too. Fuck! We got Dentacoin at nine. Ooh, nine one hundredths of a cent. Ugh, stay away from that, guys. We got Digibyte at three tenths of a cent. Stay away from that one. We got Pillar at a dollar twenty eight. Oh yeah. We got Bite Ball Bites at four hundred thirty one dollars. Stay away from that. We got. Quash at 76 cents. We got Golem. You guys know I love me some Golem. We got Golem at 30 cents, up 21%. And most of all, we got Dent. That's right. Dent, you fucking coin, you beautiful little coin. We got you at two cents, up 40% today. I love it. We got Funfair at five cents. Woo! Funfair. Man, man, fuck, guys. You know what? Getting these greens just makes me have that crypto fever where you just want to start buying every fucking coin again. Remember those days in December? We were just buying every fucking coin that we wanted. Gosh, damn it. This feels like that again. It feels like that, and I love it because it's up 46% funfair. This is another one that, man, if I had some fucking... If I was just fucking blowing out some money out my ass, I'd fucking drop a shit ton on Funfair and hold it like the way I'm holding Tron. It's like, I really want to dump Tron and just swap it for Funfair, but I'm I'm not doing that anymore, guys. But fuck, I really want to hold me some Funfair. We got Power Ledger at 63 cents, up 46%. We know where the fuck Power Ledger is going to go to, and that's $1.25 easily, so it's going to double here. We got Salt at $4.11. We got Monocoin at $3.70. We got Sizzcoin, I'm sorry, at $0.41, cents, up 22%. We got Zcoin at $48, up 36%. We got Singularity. Oh, snap. We got some Singularity coin. Singularity Net at $0.40. Cents. Woo. Got some Particle at $19. Not feeling that one. We got Redcoin at $0.05 of a cent. <laughs> Stay away from Redcoin, guys. Stay the fuck away from that as far as you can. Get, hold it off with a fucking stick. Don't let those. Don't let that Redcoin army come after you, man. I'm serious. Redcoin is not thriller approved. It is not. And that's pretty. Oh, we got Gnosis at 131 dollars, and that's pretty much our coin market cap, guys. There's so many good fucking buys on here. Like, it's not even a joke. There's a lot of good buys. There's some ones that we're going to be able to double our money here pretty soon. I've just been stocking up on Bitcoin on the way down so I can make a shit ton of money back on the way up. Like, honestly, I'm still bullish on Bitcoin. I know here it's going to double to 15,000 here pretty soon, and then it's going to get up to 21. It's just the way of the world. 
I'm bullish on Bitcoin. I always will be. It's just uh, it's the OG of crypto, and I have a feeling. I have a feeling if you don't buy your Bitcoin now at, at the prices that we're getting them, uh, we might never see these prices again. I'm just saying because even next year, even if it starts falling again, because it will. If it falls again, it might fall to 15. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we probably will get as high as 35, 45. I'm shooting for 50. Realistically, I'm shooting for 50. But if we get as high as like 35, 30 this year, it might drop down to 15, 12, somewhere around there. There's no way in hell Bitcoin will ever be at 7,000 again. I just don't see it crashing, you know, at all. Just, just me. That's just my opinion, but I could be wrong. Take it with what it is. All right, guys, we're going to get into our main topic. Today we are discussing Stellar. I know, I know, guys. We just did Stellar. I know you're. I know. I know. I know. That's what you're saying. We just did Stellar. Car. Why are we doing it again? Well, this is a story I've actually wanted to tell way before because this is a great story. The Magical Mystery Tour of Stellar is a story that I've been holding on to for a long time. Eh, not really a long time. More like a month. And this is one story I've been wanting to tell you guys. Um, I haven't pre-recorded or anything, so don't think that. This is all live. It's all live, baby. It's it's live. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. But I'm just saying, like, this is one that I, there's a couple of these stories that I have. You can go back and listen to like the, the, who is Satoshi Nakamoto story. Um, we did one on the Bitcoin Jesus one. Like there's a couple of those where they're just, they're good folklore. They're just really good folklore for the crypto community. Um, I, I, I think when it, when it comes to like educational purposes, like for the show tomorrow, we're doing the, the lightning network actually, but like for actual, like, to know where where I think the history is rich in crypto, like it's really rich. There's a lot of like honestly, there's so many good stories that could be turned into movies. This one actually today that I'm telling you could actually be turned into a movie. Uh, Jed McCaleb has lived an amazing life, uh, and he's still young here, and he's still creating Stellar. And the magical mystery tour of Stellar is probably one of those special stories that I think a lot of you will love. So it's definitely. It's definitely, it's definitely a good one. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into our main topic. Time for today's main topic on Thriller with Car Gonzalez, only on Anchor.fm. So the Magical Mystery Tour of Stellar... This is primarily derived from an observer piece here that uh, they wrote up about uh, Jed McCaleb and Joyce Kim, is um, his wife, I believe she is now. Um, the author, Michael Craig, is a securities industry attorney and an author. He is, uh, some of his books he has are The Professor, The Banker, The Suicide King, Inside the Richest Poker Game of All Time. He's actually um, an author, so he's, he researched Stellar, for the observer and they came up with one of the most exciting pieces of you know crypto journalism i think i've ever read um it's it's really good i'm gonna put a link in the show notes because he definitely deserves props on this the whole story comes from him so um definitely check out the definitely check out the whole article um i'm just kind of interlacing everything together from what he's telling just to kind of build the whole overall kind of overarching story i'm sure this could probably be done 10 times better by some like youtuber or something um but 
This is all we got. We got podcast form, baby, and it's all about telling stories. Okay, so first up, Jed McCaleb. You know, he is one of the um, people that has uh, influenced crypto his whole life. Um, and uh, he, you know, everybody knows that he created Ripple, Ripple Labs, and he created Stellar. But uh, he has also has created uh, Mt. Gox, and he donkey. We all know that stuff. But it's uh, pretty interesting how all of that came to be. And it goes into this weird kind of strange story about where he started on this one thing and ended entirely on a different thing. It's pretty interesting. So, so the way he describes in the, in, the, in the article, he says, The interpersonal story of Stellar and Ripple Labs is emblematic of the turmoil rolling in the entire industry. It has everything from sex, huge money, fraud, genius, betrayal, international intrigue, and government raids. The observer is not in a position to predict the outcome of the clash among cryptocurrencies or against the combined power of world governments and banks, but the observer is a place for storytelling, and Stellar and Ripple is the best story going in the vital young cryptocurrency industry and maybe in fintech world. Um, So in 2001, he co-founded eDonkey, and uh, it's kind of funny how even before this happened, he already had this whole another life because to to think that he co-founded something as big as eDonkey, it was kind of like Napster the way it, the way it is the way it was back then. Um, I know a lot of you don't understand this, but there was a time where music was illegal to download. So. You know how we have it now with Spotify and YouTube and stuff like that. Well, back then you couldn't download any, you, you would have to download everything. And there was this place that you would go and you would literally like click on the songs that you wanted and they would download to your computer. And then you would take that and put your iPod connected to it. It was, it came into this whole world where you actually had to go to these websites and download the software to get access to those MP3 files. I know a lot of you probably don't know that, but it's pretty crazy that he took, he had a hand in building that. And actually, you know, he kind of got street cred (laughs) from not only like, you know, the hacker community, but also like the programming community. And everybody just thought he was a cool son of a bitch, you know. So that's this happened in 2001. So this is way before, you know, he decided to settle down with his then wife. Um, It wasn't until, you know, 2010 when he created Mt. Gox. And Mt. Gox, if you guys don't know, is... A phenomenal story and i found one youtube video where he actually talks about it so check this out the quality is really bad but check this out but uh but yeah um why did you think it failed oh uh well it, it's just really hard to, there's like thousands and thousands of games and it's just really hard to stay out from the pack of them um, uh yeah it's like the short answer um, um but yeah so then after that uh, i learned about bitcoin like kind of as that was winding down thought it was just the most amazing idea uh, and then made uh, at that point there was no real easy way to buy bitcoins there was no exchange so i wanted to buy some so i made an exchange uh, and that actually is not gone which is still the biggest Bitcoin exchange i think uh, outside maybe some of the chinese ones um you created it on your own yeah uh and then it went well what was the struggle yeah no it, uh, it immediately took off much faster than I thought it would. Um, and then as I started like looking around to make it more legitimate, I realized that in the U.S. there's all these regulations you have to comply with. 
it was unclear whether I had to or not, but probably did. And, and the, there's a, there's a lot of like legal risk around uh, the, the money transmissions, which can be classified as. So it just wasn't worth the, the effort at that point because Bitcoin was still in its infancy. It was only like I think at the time I sold it, it was under a dollar for Bitcoin. Um, so it's still very early. So I was like, oh, I just don't need that. Let's get still with it. So I sold it to someone in Japan. Um, someone in Japan. Yeah. Not not suggestion. <laughs> okay, so, uh, uh, you're not naming that person. Uh, uh, Mark Kapalas. That's open. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, he's still running it. Really, um, but it's still going. Um, so this was at a time when you know Mount Gox was literally within three years handling more than seventy percent of the Bitcoin transactions, guys. Um, so each BTC soared in value during the time of 2013 from thirteen dollars to nine hundred dollars briefly and trading above $1,000 at one point. So everybody knew about Bitcoin. Uh, Mr. McCaleb did not invent cryptocurrency any more than Netscape invented the internet. Netscape took a decades-old technology nobody was using and put a, put a familiar face on it. With Mt. Gox, Jed McCaleb created a familiar environment for people to store, trade, and buy things with Bitcoin. So Mt. Gox, if it wasn't for Mt. Gox, guys, like it literally popularized Bitcoin, and then it nearly destroyed it in February 2014. In, in the interview, he says that he actually sold it, um, and he sold it to Mark Karpelos, and he mentions it in the interview. Uh, he was living in Japan at the time, and uh, it's funny because Jeb Caleb actually stumbled onto you know, creating an exchange for Bitcoin. He wasn't going to do it. The only reason he did it was because you know he found out about it at Slashdot. Slashdot was like kind of like Reddit, but without the, the, the interaction of the community. Uh, and he already had a domain called mountgox.com, standing for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. And so he sold it to Mark Kapolis here in uh, 2011. And Kapolis said, you know, he really wanted to make Mount Gox what it had the potential to be, which would require more time. And, you know, Caleb didn't have it at that time, and he sold it to him. And... So in you know February twenty eighth of twenty fourteen, Mt. Gox filed for filed in Tokyo for a form of bankruptcy protection from creditors calling, you know, civil rehabilitation to allow courts to seek a buyer, reporting that it had liabilities of up to six point five billion yen, sixty five million at the time. Uh, the company said it had lost more than seven hundred fifty thousand of its customers' bitcoins and around one hundred thousand of its own bitcoins, totaling around seven percent of all bitcoins. Um, yes, it was it was pretty crazy. And then on March 9th, Mt. Gox filed for bankruptcy protection in the U.S. And then March 20th, Mt. Gox reported the website had found um, that, that it had found, shit, that's a lot of Bitcoins, 199,000, which is equates to about 116 million. Um, new evidence presented in 2015 by Tokyo security company WizSec led them to conclude that the most of, of or all of the missing Bitcoins were stolen straight out of Mt. Gox hot wallet over time. And then the lawyers said that Carpolis would not appear for a deposition in the Dallas court. And then in 2015, Kraken Bitcoin Exchange CEO Jesse Powell discussed being appointed for bankruptcy trustee to assist in processing claims of 127,000 creditors of Mt. Gox. And then here just recently in May, uh, Mt. Gox had claimed they lost $2.4 trillion when Mt. Gox went bankrupt, which they asked to be paid for. Uh, yeah, it's... It's one of the, it's it literally like when they say when people say that Mt. Gox almost took Bitcoin down because it literally almost did. That's where everybody was was trading. That's why when I say guys, whenever whenever it comes to any kind of exchanges, make sure you um, get them off of it as soon as you can. Um, that's just 
just some advice. Um, so to get back on track, sorry, because I just wanted to give you the context of that because it's it's big. So, um, you know, after Michaela did that, he went ahead and formed, you know, Ripple Labs with Arthur Brito. And uh, he also met David Schwartz at the time. And if you guys let's remember when we did our Ripple episode, David Schwartz is the one that had that totally different opposite theory of centralized servers. Um, yeah, if you remember him, he's the chief cryptographer right now for Ripple. But we we go check check out the Ripple episode. But he he actually Michaela actually started it with David Schwartz, uh, chief cryptographer, and then also they had Arthur Brito. And then they had Jesse Powell. And Jesse Powell is the one that actually invested $100,000, you know, into Ripple Labs. And then uh, Chris Larson, uh, he was also the CEO as well. And he came from like Elon, one of the first online mortgage companies. And uh, he also came from Prosper. I'm sure you guys heard of Prosper. It's like a peer-to-peer lending marketplace. Um, So uh, Chris Larson had all this kind of, uh, kind of, uh, how would you say he, he, he had that business sense. So he knew how to sell, you know, turn a startup into, you know, you know, an IPO and and just basically he could publicly, you know, help this, you know, this company become legitimate, you know, and he had relationships already that he had developed in time. So let me let Jed here talk about him starting Ripple. Right. Well, then I started a sort of an alternate. Well, I started another kind of math based currency called Ripple. Um, Math based currency? Yeah, cryptocurrency. cryptocurrency. Uh, it has similar ideas. It's uh, the, the the protocol and the underlying algorithms are all different, but um, but the, the idea is similar, like a, a fixed uh, currency supply, a peer to peer network with you know no central issuer. It's all decentralized. You can send around to those like fundamental aspects of Bitcoin, which make it really powerful. They're all there, but um, but the internal is working. Uh, it's going okay. I, I left in the summer um, just due to like disagreements with the, with the uh, person I brought on to be CEO. Um, and they're, they're kind of, we'll see how it goes. So, so, really sorry about the audio quality, guys. It just. This video was taken so long ago, and there really knows there really isn't any archival footage of them talking about that time specifically in their lives. Joyce Kim and uh, Jed McCaleb, and so it at he actually met Joyce Kim while he was at Ripple Labs, and Jesse Powell, the person you know who invested in, in uh, Ripple, uh, you know initially, he is the same person that introduced them, and it's it's kind of funny. It was like love at first sight, um, so. He then slowly brought on, you know, Joyce Kim to work with him at uh, Ripple Labs and gave her the title of Chief Engagement Officer, basically CEO. Um, I'm sure that ruffled a lot of feathers. And then the whole article pretty much goes into how, you know, she basically turned Ripple Labs upside down. And who knows if any of this is true? It's all from second and third hand you know, knowledge. And it's, it's, I'm going to skip over that part because it's just a lot of drama that I don't really don't want to get into, but let's just say it didn't end well there at Ripple Labs with Joyce Kim and Jed McCaleb. So it kind of caused them to, to leave. So when they left, um, they basically, they had lost interest in building Ripple Labs and they decided the best exit would be to deal with Stripe. So there's a picture actually, and it shows them, hanging out stripe and uh, ripple labs hanging out and you can see jed there and the rest of the team and you can kind of see that they're 
They're really interested in Jed and they want him to create something with them. And Stripe, if you guys don't know, is a big financial company. Um, they were actually just recently, you know, taking Bitcoin um, and they decided to drop Bitcoin. And that's when the news came out that XLM, Stellar, Lumens might actually be the next currency they actually hold. I think if that deal ever takes place where they actually start taking XLM, holy fuck, guys, like that pretty much changes the game for Stellar. And that's kind of what I'm holding, holding hope for is I think eventually Stripe will integrate XLM as, as a payment um, so what happened is they they pretty much invested into Jed and they gave him and Joyce um, pretty much whatever they wanted. And with that, they formed Stellar. So a, a lot of people were upset with Jed when he left and started his own company with Stellar, you know, being founded by Stripe and, you know, with his then girlfriend, um, uh, Joyce Kim and you know, it's, it just looks bad. So a lot of people were saying pretty mean things about the guy, um, you know, and really mean things actually. Um, and I'll let you read the article so that way you can kind of, you know, see what you see on that. But I think when you kind of go for low blows like that, that's just kind of, you know, distasteful. So I'm not going to read it here on Thriller Podcast. Um, so anyway, so they ended up starting Seller. And at that point, they're doing the great, they're doing a great job. You know, it should also be mentioned that, you know, Stellar was based on the Ripple protocol. So after several changes to the critical consensus code, the Stellar network forked. In the aftermath, Stellar co-founder Joyce Kim claimed this was a flaw in the Ripple protocol, but this statement was challenged in a blog post by Ripple Labs, then CTO Stefan Thomas. Um, So who knows what happened? There's a lot of drama just involved in that. People say that the reason they did that was because they wanted to bring down Ripple at the same time, blaming it on their code and pushing Stellar forward. Others have said, no, that Ripple actually had uh, moved forward past that code, the one that they grabbed and were using, that that's not the same code that Ripple was actually using or had implemented at that time. And this was back in December 2nd of 2014. So um, probably a little bit after that interview we just played. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on there too as well. It's it's crazy. At the time, Vilek Buterin um, of Ethereum, he said, Stellar is going to fail, in my opinion. Ripple has a better team. They're not a parasitic fork. And I'm sure Ripple has better connections than Stripe does. He also says, Stellar does not feel more community friendly, but the protocol's primary value proposition is working with the banks. The community thinks decentralized exchange is so, so 2012. This is coming from Vilek Buterin. So the kid, the kid does not shy away from, you know, saying what he pleases. I don't agree. I, I think Stellar is a phenomenal coin, but I'm biased as hell. Um, so that happened, guys. So there's a whole lot of drama with that. Um, even with that, they still... They still get past it all. And it's crazy to think that, you know, that, you know, Jed would actually do this. But there's people, there's actual people, you know, that really hate that guy. I don't, I don't, I honestly don't see it. Maybe I just don't know him. Maybe that's, you know, that's probably what it is. But some of them has said this, Jed is not a very good chess player. I've seen it time and time again. He makes these bold moves, very aggressive, like the whole Jed bringing Joyce into Ripple Labs thing was very aggressive. To do that, you have to be super confident, and somehow between Joyce and Jed, they convince like the collusions to come along, right? So that's their MO. 
they do these bold things that have no chance to succeed. I think that bringing this up as a Ripple stellar failure, talking about the fork, is strategically a huge mistake because Ripple is 50 times the size of stellar, but has never had a consensus error. And now Jed's getting publicly called out, and I'm not sure the Ripple guys are loving it because they never comment and are just going to let him hang himself. And then he also said he thinks he is the inventor of the technology. The truth is the stuff he forked and the stuff that Ripple uses today are very different. Ripple Labs has a big team and are perfecting all day. Wow, at Stellar, it's Jed and one other guy. And the models are different and may very much benefit Ripple Labs. You got to understand what this disaster must be doing to Jed personally, continued the source. Think about what Bitcoin is. The whole idea behind it is I don't trust even the U.S. government to be backing the dollar. The crypto purists like Jed are so fixated on that idea that even the U.S. government is not strong enough as a counterparty. And now you have the most fragile and speculative entity backing your new currency. That kind of centralization is a polar opposite of what this whole thing has started as. It's got to be particularly devastating for someone like Jed. Yeah, those are some harsh words from, you know, somebody that wouldn't give their name for a fucking interview. You know what I mean? It's kind of like I'm going to put I'm going to put the whole article in the show notes. I highly recommend you guys check it out. It was created in 2015. So it was very close to the times that we heard this interview. Um, It's an interesting article. I don't believe I don't believe that 100 percent of it is actually true, but it still makes for a great story. Um, it's kind of like the whole social network thing, you know, that Facebook movie. It's one of those where it makes for a great story. Who knows if that really transpired that way, but to think that it all came up like that. I'm going to play one last interview, and that's from Joyce Kim. If there was anything that I learned today um, from this show, it's that this woman is very smart, and she understands exactly what she's doing. And I would also say at this stage of the market, it's not which altcoin is better than the other. It is which one is significantly better than our current system, which is regular money, and has enough usage that it can kind of get past that initial uh, adoption phase. Because, you know, the adoption curve is usually the early innovator, early adopters first before you get to mainstream. And uh, the winner will be who gets past that hump into the mainstream. Yeah, so that was recorded back in 2014, and they were already thinking like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see them failing with somebody who thinks like that. And then you have somebody as smart as Jed. Like, shh, I don't know, guys. I, I, I'm really more bullish on XLM than I have been in the past. And I think it's actually out of, you know, XLM and Cardona were one of those, those first early coins that I got into. And, um, and honestly, like, as time has gone on, and I've kind of you know, come to find out more about them, I just become even more in love with those currencies. So I'm highly biased, guys. But I really think that, you know, Stellar has an absolute chance to become a really profitable currency. And um, it was funny because in that same interview, the one with the really bad audio quality, like they, she, she, Joyce actually asked, she asked Jed, like, inside the conversation that they're all having, and she says, where is cryptocurrency going to be in three years? And I swear to God, Jed said, um, "It's I would buy some now because it's going to be worth a lot. And he said that he sees it at $30,000 at the very least. And sure enough, that was 2014, 2017. You saw what happened last year. We got up to $20,000, like, what the fuck that guy like literally he's like the first person i actually seen 
um, that has actually predicted it almost pretty damn close. Like if he threw a dart, he would be outside the bullseye area. That's how close he almost predicted this shit. It's crazy, guys. It's crazy. And if there's anybody that understands Bitcoin and understands how money moves, he ran Mt. Gox. He, he had the foresight to understand that, you know, Bitcoin needed an exchange. He listened. He gave the people what they wanted. Sometimes a lot of people who don't understand communities, they, they tend to be insular and they don't ask. But if you ask the community what they want, they will tell you. You just got to go out there and create it for them. So I think Jed understands that. And that's a double-edged sword, man. Like, And then on top of that, he's a programmer, you know. And I've even heard stories. <laughs> I've even heard stories where they think he's Satoshi. But I, I don't know if that's true or not. But it's it's kind of funny, though. He was around that time. So it's kind of funny. Um, but anyway, so I'm just going to say I'm highly biased on XLM. I'm very biased. So don't. Don't listen to anything that I say. Like, really go out, go out and do your own research. Go check out some more stuff. I'm going to leave you one more interview with Joyce Kim because I think that she deserves just as much credit for Stellar success. Uh, I'm the executive director of the Stellar Development Foundation. And what the foundation is, it's the not-for-profit organization that does two things. We run kind of global educational campaigns around digital financial liter- literacy and access to digital financial services. And we also help maintain the Stellar protocol, which is an open source peer-to-peer distributed protocol. Um, Stellar, I, I would say, is very complementary to Bitcoin. Uh, it is also a distributed uh, system where it is multi-currency, so any kind of currency can run on it. Its end goal is to make all currencies, all payment stacks, uh, all various kind of financial communities interoperable, including Bitcoin. So on the Stellar protocol, Bitcoin runs as easily as dollars and euros and yen and pesos or whatever the case may be. So we're structured as a not-for-profit with the explicit goal of trying to help connect communities that are underserved or poorly reached today. So I, I think that a lot of people in the digital currency community have been doing a great job with figuring out how do we take our existing systems that we have here and making them better, making them digital, making them faster, more efficient. Um, one of the things that we're strongly focusing on is looking on communities that are actually already not well connected at all. Um, case in point would be we recently launched a, a program around connecting microfinance institutions, right? So microfinance institutions are probably most well known because of the Grameen Foundation and Muhammad Yunus who received the Nobel Peace Prize for for microfinance organizations. Each of them is essentially a mini lending institution for their communities. Uh, And there's about 100,000 of them all around the world. And they serve roughly like 200 million people, but there is no network that connects them to each other. There is no SWIFT or ACH for microfinance organizations. So one of the things that we're doing is we're working with microfinance organizations to make them interoperable with each other, which will then create accessibility points between all those communities that doesn't exist today at all. We need to get it right. Yeah. I mean, this is people's money. And you know, there's this interesting mantra in the Bitcoin space where we always say, don't put in more than you can lose. Uh, but at the same time, we're, looked at, we're, we're looking at developing uh, economies, right? Frontier markets, uh, where communities don't have as much disposable income. So I don't believe that we should build in those in those environments with that same mantra. Like we actually have to believe nothing can be lose, can be lost. Everything has to be safe. So the pressure that we feel to move quickly is is our own. Like let's do a good job. Let's get out there because we want to help as many people as we can as quickly as possible. Uh, but it has to be done in a secure and scalable way. Yeah, guys. So just by the way she speaks, by the way her take charge kind of attitude comes off, like. Pfft. 
I'm all in. Like I've already was all in XLM, but now I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm so glad I have a shit ton of XLM, but I'm just, man, I'm just more bullish on it than ever. Um, this is just one coin. It's fascinating. Don't get me wrong. A lot of the stuff that went on in the back in the day, the ones, the, the stuff that we discussed, it's crazy. It could be its own freaking movie, honestly. Like it's crazy. Um, you know, even with the fork that they had, you know, in 2014, and there's a lot of blame being pointed around. Even that part is another thing. But to see where it can go, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be really interesting to see here in the next few years to see where XLM will grow. How far can this coin go? Um, yeah, I'm I'm really bullish on it. I I think uh, I think I think if we hold XLM here for another year or so, we're going to start seeing seeing some huge gains. I really believe it. Um, I think it's going to take, you know how I always say, like Cardano, it's going to take a long time. I think this one actually will take a lot shorter than Cardano. I think we got like another year before I think it blows up for sure. Um, probably less. I, I think it, I think, I think easily if we can get Stripe, if XLM can get on Stripe as a payment, that just that just turns the, the whole game around and you know we just did that we just did that seller episode and we saw the interview that uh that jed did with the, the with the, with those two guys and he said if i was you i would hold stellar this year <laughs> so um that has to mean something he's tipping his hat uh, and not and not in a slight way so it's just it's just crazy to think that um that uh this is this is one that could you know go to the moon who knows? We don't know. This is why we play the game, right? This is why we um, this is why we do this every day. It's fun. Yeah, I, I love I love episodes like this, guys. I know this one's kind of long, but honestly, I want to make sure it all fit. We had a lot of stuff to cover in the news today. We had a lot of stuff to dis- to cover here um, in our coin talk segment. Uh, you know, here in our main topic was already going to be a beast of a show. So thank you guys for you know sticking around the entire episode. I just want to leave you with a little bit of something though. Today we lost the battle. We lost ICOs. They're not going anywhere right now. And like I said, I don't think they'll be going anywhere in the future. It's just that fuck, they took off it took off one of our arms in the crypto world today and it pisses me off because I know they're afraid. If we just keep hodling guys and we keep buying this crypto, we keep exchanging it and I we use it as a as a source of payment, I think we can actually fucking do this. We can make this shit work. We can buy Bitcoin and we can save the fucking world. This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Thriller Podcast with Har Gonzalez. Remember, Thriller Podcast is not financial advice. Everything Car said likely won't come true. It is up to you. Now go do your own research. Listen to other dudes that start their name with crypto, and not car. And remember, buy Bitcoin and save the world, one Satoshi at a time. <laughs>